Welcome to Key Art Foundation's Critical Distance podcast series, produced as part of Beating Artist Needs, a professional development program for artists of all ages and backgrounds. Key Art Foundation's Meeting Artist Needs program is generously supported by the Joan Mitchell Foundation. You're listening to Social Medium, Art Making with Social Media, a conversation with Yulon Grant and Camilo Godoy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming tonight. Um, so tonight we have an inst- this is an installment of a, a regular event series or program series we have here at Q called Meeting Artist Needs, um, and it's an artist development series. Um, and so tonight our program is called Social Medium, Art Making with Social Media, and we're going to be talking about artists that make art, use social media to make art, specifically Camilo Godoy and Yulon Grant, who are with us tonight. So I'm going to start by reading bo- the bios of b- both of our artists. So our first artist, Yulon Grant, is a New York-based multidisciplinary artist from Kingston, Jamaica. A creative position between Caribbean and American culture, her work interrogates ideas of identity, notions of power, perceived histories, and the entanglements that happen within these topics. Grant is interested in the role that new media plays in artistic practices and the dialogue they hope to create. In Camilo Godoy, um, Camilo Godoy was born in Bogota, Colombia, and currently lives in New York. He received a BFA from Parsons, the New School for Design in 2012, and a BA from Eugene Lang College, the New School for Liberal Arts in 2013. Utilizing a multidisciplinary art practice, his work is concerned with examining the construction of political and social meanings. Godoy was a 2012-2013 Queer Art Mentorship Fellow, a 2014 Emerging Fellow at the Hemispheric Institute of Performance and Politics at NYU, a 2014-2015 Keyholder resident at the Lower East Side Print Shop, and is currently a 2015 Movement Research Artist in Residence. Godoy's work has been presented at venues such as La Mama Gallery, New York, Queens Museum, um, Donau Festival? Donau Festival. Festival, Krems, and uh, Muzontrum, Frankfurt, among others. Um, so we're going to get started. So we have, we're going to start with Yulon's work, and so I'm just going to ask both of the artists to kind of discuss the works that come up on the screen and also talk briefly about how they're interested in social media in their work. Thank you, Lord, yeah, you can just talk about it. Hello. There um, go. So this piece was made in 2012. And um, I was basically just riffing off of people's obsession with the world ending at that time, essentially. So it's meditations on death and mortality. Um, So the name of this piece is We've Been Here Cataclysm. It's part of a tripartite series that I've been working on. Uh, This was a performance staged at MoMA PS1 in April, April of this year and um, it was part of their Sunday sessions. So it's a three-channel video projection, light installation, live sound installation, employing eight performers doing durational performance using double dutch as the main medium. You also recently had an Instagram residency. Could you talk about that? Yes, so I had an Instagram residency with Kaleidoscope Magazine, and they're based in Germany, Paris, and Hong Kong. So for that Instagram residency, I was exploring um, modes of cultural produ- reproduction and how that, you know, manifests into everyday life now. Cool. I thought we had another video. 
Is there a database video? If you also want to talk about database. Oh, so um, databases was a project I started in 2012. It's a user-generated Google Maps-based API um, Google database thing. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> it's technology. Um, so yeah, it's a user-based. It's a user-generated uh, database that examines uh, people of color that have been killed by either the police or extrajudicial forces since 2012. So Camilo, if you want to talk about your work, and then I can just go through the slides. Yeah. So. Um, well, the, what I sent you was uh, snapshots, or screenshots rather, of, uh, well, first of all, hi, and welcome, and thank you for being here, um, and to you for inviting me. Um, and so I just gather a bunch of uh, screenshots of my Instagram account, which I use um, as a practice um, to document exhibitions that I go to, or readings that I'm um, reading, and items and objects that I'm researching. What you're seeing right now are um, reproductions of Iwahesa's date books, which are these um, stunning um, documents of her everyday life in 1964 and 1965. And um, this is uh, something that I wanted to start with, which is um, 1964, Ju July 13. She just says, uh, very depressed after such a fine weekend. And in her date books, um, she's uh, obsessed with talking about her studio practice, what she's reading, what she's seeing, um, uh, who she's uh, meeting, and whatnot. Um, and working like crazy, as she says here um, in um, July. And so my, my practice as an artist is very interested in the everyday, obviously, and, and um, making reference to um, artists that use uh, date books, diaries, to uh, document their life as artists. Um, here in uh, this um, diary or journal by uh, David uh, Warknadowicz, um, he writes, uh, going through a time in my life that seems desperate, surreal, awful, and slightly wondrous, all simultaneously. This is January 21, 1981. So this is ongoing research of um, artists that inspire me and uh, touching their, their documents. This is um, his diary at Fails uh, at NYU that I'm actually touching. And this is another entry. So um, yeah. In my work, I'm, I'm sort of referencing some of these artists, um, and really what I use um, social media for at the moment is really to document um, artists and objects and texts that I touch and that I'm willing to share with everyone through the internet. Cool. And you also document different experiences you have. Um, so could you talk about that? I think, yeah. So things like this. Yeah, so I, I, I brought up these uh, screenshots of friends so, uh, and also artists. So this is Carlos Martiel, uh, a friend. At the, on the left is a photo I took. And then his, uh, on the right, you see how he uses uh, Instagram to talk about uh, his process. So here he's gathering uh, uh, dirt uh, from sites in Los Angeles uh, where uh, police brutality or police killings, have, uh, killings uh, by police um, uh, against uh, non-white people have occurred, and so he's picking up uh, dirt from the, those sites and taking them to the studio to create uh, a performance that he eventually does. Um, and I also brought the screenshot of a friend, Tania Bruguera, and just using social media to create social commentary. She just writes, in the land that fabricates uh, stereotypes, uh, she's obviously in LA, 
or another friend like Carlos Mota who um, uses Instagram to sort of make reference to other artists, self-portrait through Felix uh, Gonzalez Torres at the Guggenheim. So I just wanted to share these sort of um, screenshots of other people that I love and share life with uh, who are using social media similarly. Cool. And so you talked about making reference, um, which is a question I had written down later, but we can get into it now. I was thinking about how when we think about using social media and art, we think about something new, and we think about social media as new, um, but then when we think about art, we usually think about the canon. Um, so I guess, do you ever think, when you're creating work and making references, do you ever think about the canon? Are you deliberately working outside of it? Does it play a role at all? This is a question for both of you. Um, I mean, I, for me, I see Instagram as, as the contemporary diary or datebook. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why when looking at like Frida's uh, diary, I'm easily stepping, I mean, even though this is a very private uh, uh, document, uh, looking at someone's Instagram, like Tanya's Instagram, could be very similar in the way that uh, uh, one shares our thoughts and ideas and drawings. So I, I, I would say this is like, you know, this being uh, almost like our everyday, our, our contemporary diary in the public. Um, do I think of it as a canon? Huh? Maybe, I guess, yeah, because like, <clears throat> especially with like a lot of contemporary painting, it's like very much, oh, you're alluding to this thing that has been mm. existing for hundreds of years, and uh, that's a self-referential -refer project that comes from that. So this is a painting about, painting about, painting about painting, which solidifies it in the house of art and the, you know, the house of art that makes you be, become respected because you're alluding to these things. And uh, the good thing with social media is that it can, it can at times navigate away from that where you don't have to be in a white cube setting to display your work, show your work, or um, be an artist because you're being shown in this specific setting. So it allows for more transgressive behaviors to occur. Okay, cool. And I guess, so I guess another, kind of a simple question for both of you is what attracts you to social media? Um, I got Twitter, the only reason why I got a Twitter was because of the Arab Spring. So uh, I just wanted to be able to get news on the ground to get that and then um, uh, other aspects of social media I just had to have it because you have to, you know, if you have to have a Facebook, you have to send people invites, you have to, you know, unfortunately do marketing for free, which is annoying. You know, like no one wants to be like, come to my thing. It's like, oh, if you show up, cool. If not, that's nice as well. And then uh, Instagram is the same with artists. You have to tell people that you're doing something and you have to constantly show work because it's an unfortunate evil because if you're not constantly making work, then are you still an artist? You know, that's the question that comes along. Uh, for me, it's uh, exhibitionism, voyeurism, you know, I, I love, I mean, Instagram is addictive in, in, in how you can scroll down and one page leads you to another and you're all of a sudden in the life of this person in, I don't know, Rome. Um, so uh, that's very exciting. For me, it's also so much about the diaristic and that's why I wanted to share Iwahes and David because uh, they use the, the, the 
the date book, the diary, in a similar way. For me, I love to go back to, I mean, my only issue with Instagram is that you don't really get like a stamp of, of a date. Like there's no like January 14, 2013, right? Um, so that's my only issue, but I love to scroll down and see like, oh, that was a year ago and I was at this, uh, I was reading this, or I was uh, in, in this studio or visiting this artist, or I was here and there. Um, so for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's to keep a, a diary and, and also to exhibit and, and, and be a total voyeur of other people who are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess because, because self-branding is so inherent to social media, does, does that play into how you, what you post on social media? Sure, but I also regulate what self-branding is because like I hate to use tags. I hate the, you know, you, you often find on people's Instagrams the tag um, follow me and how the ego becomes so ever-present in people's Instagram that's totally reduced to nonsense and, 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 and that says nothing, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I self-brand but with some censorship of, of how much I want to expose myself in, in my brand and whatever that is. Yeah, so, um, you know, like every part of social media is about curating your personality and what personality you think is fit to be able to show onto the world to project this image or performance of this person or life that you're living. So um, that changes from medium to medium. Like with Instagram, it's all about I'm having a great time. You know, there was a, yeah, like no one wants to see anyone sad on Instagram. That bums you out. If you're having an expensive cocktail, you want people to see that, right? So it's like the branding of, of happy, financially stable, and having a great time. And that's what Instagram basically does. You know, whereas um, I guess like maybe Tumblr, like people are okay with being sad or something. I don't know. I haven't been on Tumblr in a while, but I think people are okay with being sad on Tumblr. And like that's it's all about being sad. It's about being sad, right? It's like, oh, I'm so sad. And I'm drinking water. Oh, like life's hard. But I'm like really rich. But whatever. Um, <clears throat> so with me, I don't know if self-branding necessarily like comes into it. Um, I don't know if I like posting on on social media. Like I get into like weird waves with social media, where it's like I just want to watch and I don't want to participate at all. And like that's where I get the most joy, just like creeping on people's lives instead of like being like, oh, here's my life, you know, because like what I'm in front of a computer, that's not fun. Yeah, it's, it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I guess what I'm getting is that like social media kind of creates a space for everyone to create something. So in that sense, do you think that social media is kind of helping deteriorate the division between artists and non-artists? Is everyone an artist when they get a social media account? Yes. Yeah, why not? Why can't everyone be an artist? So how would you define artist then? I, I don't care about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. Camila, how about you? Um, I mean, yeah, sure, I'll share Boyce's idea of everyone's an artist, but... Um, I don't know, I feel skeptical of saying a 14-year-old who'll explode and have like a 34,000 uh, following feed and yeah. says nothing. I mean, uh, quality doesn't make the artist low, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm curious as to people's thinking and people's politics and their pose. Uh, but I also wouldn't, I mean, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Richard Prince's pa paintings of these screenshots of Instagram and, and uh, 
I mean, is, is, it's just everyone downloading Instagram right now, uh, an art act. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because I think even on social media too, everything, everything becomes like a gesture. So like I know even like there was like some there's an article I read where like you can get fired for liking something on Facebook because it's considered consenting with it. Um, and so I think like and even like in this and documenting it, you're kind of it's create it's like it's making the, the reading into another artistic gesture in a sense because you're photographing yourself reading. Um, so in that thing, sense, I was thinking, well, if, is everything kind of like an intentional gesture to, success, to suggest something else on, on social media? And I think even, if, how can I articulate this better? So I think Yulon sent me one video. We're going to talk about some videos later, but Yulon sent me a bunch. One I didn't use, but it was a recording. It was a guy posted on Twitter a recording of him, recording of the news playing on the computer. Yeah. Um, and so like in watching the news, like hearing him laugh at the news became a part of the experience of mm -hmm. watching it. So in a sense, like him recording the news was, a, was an, an artistic gesture. Sure. So I was just kind of thinking about what would like, what makes a gesture artistic or non-artistic on social media? Or like what makes this, what differentiates the way you guys use your um, Instagrams and social media from someone who wouldn't self-identify as an artist in real life? Uh, the filter. <laughs> it's all about the Instagram filter. <laughs> or like not filter, right? Because yeah. I know Camila doesn't like hashtag no, ha hashtag no filter. That's the thing. Yeah. Like this is how yeah. it is. Of course. Um, intention, right? Things can be an accidental art object that happens all the time. But I think the most important distinction for a lot of people is um, intention, and then I guess from there you can read into it. Because I I think memes are like I think that's an art piece. You know, and I'm really interested in memes just because you never know who makes them. And they just go around and around and around and around. And it's like, who made this? A million times over. You know, a million times over. And they're quick with it, too, which is, like, insane. Because you're just like, this happened 10 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, like, they're completely devoid of having ownership of the art, which I think is interesting. I think that's the most interesting thing for me right now, memes. Yeah, and so I think also when we're thinking about technology, usually conversations around technology are always centered on like moving from the old to the replacement for the old. Um, so like books to ebooks, which an article just revealed that that's not actually happening. Ebooks are going down in sales, but also the CD to MP3. So since people are making using technology more and more to make art, do you see art mediums going in the same direction, progressing from one medium and abandoning one medium for a new one to take over? Could that happen? No, maybe. I don't know. Paintings sell the most, so you should be a painter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, paintings have like a market, though. Yeah. Remember? Like yeah. because paintings they, they, have marketability. They so. work in one specific market, but not all of them. Yeah. So like. Also, ownership over digital media is a lot harder. Right. Just because it's easily right. it's easily reproduced, so the value of it is not as high as something like a painting or a sculpture. You look like you're thinking. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about the culture of, of, of regramming of re and, I mean. Because in the sense, also, when you post these things online, like, they're not really yours anymore. Anyone can screenshot this and use it for whatever they want. Yes. Um, so it's kind of interrupting the commerce side of art. And so also, I think you kind of touched on it, but how concerned are you? 
because you're, you guys are both using social media, how concerned are you with different social media platforms going out of style or not being popular anymore? Because like we use Instagram now, but we could not use it. It could turn into another MySpace or another Zanga. Or, are you guys concerned with that at all? Or no, I mean, no? I, start, I started with <laughs> Flickr. I mean, I remember having a Flickr account, and that's how yeah. I started taking pictures, because mm -hmm. I wanted friends to see the photos I was taking when I was, I don't know, in eighth grade, ninth grade. And then it turned into Tumblr, and now yeah. it's Instagram. Mm -hmm. I, I think, for me, it's the accessibility. I have the phone on my hand, yeah. and so I'm not going to go and sit on my laptop and write a post for Tumblr. Yeah. Although I can do that now, but I think Instagram is so much easier. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. Instagram dies, I'm okay with it. <laughs> On to the next. Yeah. And so because both of you also, you guys both address topical and current issues in your work, do you see social media as, ne as necessary, in a sense, for addressing current issues because social media is so tied up in them? Or does it, do you not need social media necessarily to address current issues? Well, I think social movements are... Uh, if, emerging out of social media. I look at Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. for example, or Occupy Wall Street, who mm -hmm. uh, the very nature of their emergence as a movement emerged or happened thanks to the, pe the people's iPhones or people's mm -hmm. Twitter accounts. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it's super relevant in, in how we move forward with our political agendas and our movements. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, social media is intrinsically linked with contemporary social movements, without doubt, because uh, uh, for the first time, you're, for the first time in a very mass sense, you're able to tell your story on your own terms, devoid of, uh, you know, the gaze to a certain extent, or you might not have to be concerned with it because you can immediately connect with people or the audience that you want to have, without having to go through actual institutions to do it. When you guys apply to residencies, just curious, do you ever submit things you post on social media as your samples? No. No. Would think you? So. If it's good, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't. But uh, I've, I mean, I, I would say that I, I've used Instagram or, uh, as a process to lead me to write a proposal um, for a residency that I'm in right now that emerged out of you know, m gestures that I was documenting through photographs and, and videos on Instagram that make me think mm -hmm. of that idea that I eventually applied for and got, so. Yeah, I, I think social media as an archival tool is very important, yeah. yeah. But what happens when the internet disappears forever? The world ends? <laughs> so we don't have to think about it. Is that something you ever, I mean, like, no, it's like as far as like saving your work, if your work is only in a digital form, do you ever worry about like, oh, well, what if? Um, I'm very gone. tedious with my things, though. I'm all about digital archiving. So it's like I'll like, like stuff on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and then I'll email myself the stuff, then, I, if, then I'll download yeah. it, and then I'll put it on my computer, then I'll have it on a hard drive. So you would have to really try <laughs> to get rid of my data. <laughs> Camilla, are you, are you that extensive or no? <laughs> I'm a mess when it comes to archiving. <laughs> like, I've opened my hard drive and it's like I don't even know where to begin. Um, that's why I'm, I love these documents of, uh, of how like, journals have been reproduced. Like, Iwa Hesse's date books are perfectly reproduced uh, into these light, tiny little 
objects that look just like the original, or if you go to like a, a library and touch the actual documents of uh, someone's diary. So I, I'm really invested in, I put a picture of, of, of that, of uh, returning to the actual materiality of, of documenting our thoughts and, and ideas. Um, uh, yeah, I, I carry a, a book like this everywhere. Um, I haven't lost one. My, I always leave my apartment thinking that, what if I come back and I return to a fire? And so it's a complicated, um, yeah, it's, a, it's complicated, but uh, I, I love keeping the material. And you talked about how one thing you don't like about Instagram is that there's not a timestamp. So how do you work with the constraints within social media platforms? Because Instagram is for a very specific thing. Um, you can kind of play with its functions to do things that they aren't intended for, um, but is that something you ever think about when you're using these platforms to create art? Is kind of subverting what they're playing with what they're intended for? It's kind of a big question. <laughs> Let me know if I should clarify. Or like. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, how do I explain this? Like, when you go on Instagram, it has a very, it's there for the, to post a picture, and you can tag people, you can tag a location. It's very specific fixed things you can do. And so I'm just kind of interested how, of, about how an artist is thinking about those constraints. Because when you're doing art, you're usually working with constraints. So like the social, the, the medium creates constraints for you. So I'm kind of thinking about if you ever think about those constraints at all when you're using them or not. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes I put like the date in the, in the actual caption of the image. Um, Sometimes I'd have to take a screenshot to actually zoom into an image that I'm showing to someone. Mm -hmm. um, but to be honest, I mean, I'm using Instagram simply to as a as a document that will you know that I can go back to and recall that happened then. I mean, I'll have to dig into my actual photo booth or iPhone to see the stamp. But uh, it's more of just like a documentation, and and I'm not so much thinking about how I can subvert how can I subvert this, but more of like how can I just simply keep that on file in this space. Um, I don't think I understand Instagram enough to be able to subvert it, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure how to use it at all, kind of. But um, the timestamp date thing is really interesting because I was like digging through my Instagram and I was like on my desktop. So it was like, oh, this was from 47 weeks ago, like, what does that mean? You know, I have to whip out my calendar and, like, yeah. do some subtract, <laughs> some subtraction real quick. I've done the math. You know, I'm just like, like, oh, this is, like, around maybe October 3rd, you know? So it's interesting to go back and, like, see those feelings and, like, relive them because it, like, forces you to remember and, like, remember back to that specific time as much as, can, as much as you can so that the act of looking back becomes really important as well for me. Cool. So how much of your social media practice would you say is nostalgic because you guys are both talking about memory and looking back it's super nostalgic i mean i i, <laughs> I cry on instagram all the time with songs that i'm sharing and photos i'm taking of people or some of the quotes uh uh like if i go back to uh, uh let me see where is this um yeah, or like uh, f when I posted like this from Frida, espero uh, uh, alegre la salida y espero no volver jamás. I 
um, hope uh, the, I, I, I joyfully hope for the departure and uh, I hope to never return. That's like her last post uh, in her diary and a few weeks later in July 1954 she dies. Um, so yeah, I'm always kind of thinking of these nostalgic moments of people's diaries. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a prey to nostalgia with Instagram for sure. Yeah, I think the act for me is it's, uh, after posting, waiting a long time and looking back, because I do that with all art forms, whether it's digital or physical, so I carry a sketchbook around with me and then one day I'll be like, oh, what was I thinking, you know, three months ago when I was thinking about this, you know, so it's like, uh, I think I use social media mostly as a mood board to then look back and further solidify ideas that m might have needed time to further percolate. Cool. So I think going back to like my question about like artists and non-artists on social media, Yulan sent me three really great videos that you found online. I think yes. Twitter from online. Yeah. So we're gonna I'm gonna play I'm gonna play these three videos, and I want Yulan to like kind of just like talk about what, what attracts you to these videos. Yeah. I'm gonna oh, play okay, all three sure. of them, and then you can kind of tell tell us what attracted you to them, and then we'll converse about them. Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Can you like play then I'll talk because I'll forget? Yeah. Okay, cool. We can do that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so this is. Uh, I believe Alabama State University, and they were doing like a, there's like a huge college, a church off that happens every year that I found out this year, and I was very excited about it. So, um, I don't know if you guys, it was like a big viral video with, from Scared Straight, where, um, was her, Miss Honey, she was just like, I was waiting for you at the door. Right? That thing, I don't know if you guys know. And then tilts her head. Yeah, famously. and then like tilts her head and like it's just like, it's been replicated so many times. It's like a, and then it was like a, just a crazy thing. It's like this locked up black trans woman like talking to these young boys about why they shouldn't come to jail. You know, just like, and that became a viral sensation. It became a hilarious thing, which is really weird, right? But it was like a funny statement. So like, you're battling with all of those things in your head, just like, oh, I feel guilty, but kind of not. Um, so then this choir from um, Alabama State University, this college choir, uh, they decide to do a song and dance uh, replicating, I was waiting for you at the door. So it's like the cultural reproduction that happened on this intense meta level that happened was uh, absolutely amazing to me. And then, you know, so also it's good marketing. I think the black church is really good at marketing in general, you know. I mean, the new pope is really good at marketing as well, which is why people are interested. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is a great way to get young people to join the church. Like, if I was Christian, I would probably think about hanging out with them and like praising God or something, you know, so. Camilo, any initial thoughts on this video? I love the choreography. Zilan's <laughs> 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 second video. What's the, this is the Rachel video. Do you know the name of the guy that made it? Oh, so this is um, my current online obsession. His name is, he, online he goes by Retro Spectro, and he's 
18 years old, living in the DMV area. Ebony Magazine actually just wrote an article about him this morning, which is insane. Call him like a cultural entrepreneur. So he makes great short videos. Yes, and we're doing everything oh, you have to we possibly can to help him to aid the community. So what do you have to say about the allegations of your ethnicity? Uh, I believe that's a very... Are you black? Am I... Are these your parents? Yes, yeah. So you're those. aware that they're black? One more question. Quarter brick, half a brick, whole brick. Hey, oh, we got him. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh my God, this is still so funny. <laughs> um, so this was all, you know, um, Rachel Dozal, maybe one of my favorite people of 2015, if I'm being honest with myself. Uh, <laughs> I have really amazing, complicated feelings about her, but I think she's amazing in the worst way possible. It's like, you know, I would have lunch with her, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, so uh, the whole trans-racial thing was going on, where people were like, oh, I can be trans-ethnic, and like, oh, oh. like, no, you can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I think it's just like a great parody on it, you know? Our last video. And this is on Twitter? Uh, yeah, it's on. He's on Twitter, Instagram, probably Vine, and YouTube. Um, so you use this in your... In my, in my Instagram residency, and um, I actually had a quote that I used with it. I'm sorry, bear with me, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, so I guess one thing that these videos do make me think about is kind of what we were talking about, how like, is everyone an artist when they get on social media? Because these are all user-generated. Mm -hmm. Maybe people that don't may, may not necessarily identify as artists outside. Maybe, Maybe. This, I mean, the, the, this is just Nikki performance yeah. out. You yeah, know? I guess someone like <laughs> someone assembled the two videos together. Yeah. Um, I guess you can read your quote, yeah. please. So um, this was a quote from TM Lorman. Um, so it says, I went to services that lasted three hours and for most of which people prayed in tongues. People I interviewed spoke about praying by themselves in tongues for similar stretches of time. They said they did, it, they did so because it was the one language the devil could not understand. But what I found so striking was how happy it seemed to make them feel. So I think this is perfect because um, you know, people are really into Nicki Minaj being, quote, crazy and erratic and the performance that happens with a black or brown woman doing those things, right? So that's always interesting. But then um, in a lot of her tracks, especially if she's performing live, she starts speaking in these tongues that you don't understand what she's saying, but the energy is there, so you get excited for her. So, you know, I'm just, you know, breaking down language. Yeah, She's so great. I think, because when I was watching this, I was thinking about how, like, in, in, on one level, the work you guys do on social media is in dialogue with this work as well. Um, and so, and how, like, this is made by people that maybe aren't, don't consider themselves artists in a conventional sense. Um, and so, I think, well, I guess that could be a question, like, do you, do you see when you make work as in, in dialogue with this, which I guess in a conventional sense would be low culture, and then would like mm -hmm. what you would see in a gallery? Um, yeah, I mean, I take editing cues from Instagram stars. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're, they've figured out how to do that in an amazing sense, so I think, like, I, I'll study Instagram videos and take editing cues 
and take editing cues from them to employ in my videos. Um, and then just, you know, how quick they are with uh, linking audio to video, like sonic disruptions. It's, uh, I think it's interesting. I'm just starting to, rec to make the videos on Instagram, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I'm just starting to study this. Do you approach your videos? You have a very, you have a very distinct style on Instagram. <laughs> How so? My friend called it, do you know what mumblecore is? What is Mumblecore? Mum no. It was like a, this genre of movies that came out in like the early 2000s and it was like indie romance movies, but they had like, it was, it was at the, around that time when on TV, like TV, like TV shows didn't really have a lot of dialogue, like, like the hills where like people just stare at each other. But mumblecore, mumble, mumblecore is like that for two hours. Um, it's like very minimalist and very just like kind of awkward. But he he described your style as like Instagram mumblecore. Uh -huh. um, I can pull up your Instagram. <laughs> um, but do you, like, but also I was thinking about like, do you since you just started making videos, do you approach your video making differently than you approach when you're taking a still image? Um. No, I mean, yeah, they're very, like these very generic environments. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited as to what you do, you pull up so that I could, because I don't know. You have a very minimalist style, and you center things a lot. I think yeah. about this all the time because I'm a big fan. Like this, boom. Yeah, it's, you're you're so abstract. Boom. That's great. Like, that's great though. <laughs> um, but no, the go go to the video. The, you posted a video recently. Of what? Listening to Lauren Hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's there. It's that one, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. But you just, show, you just had a still of, like, a wall, basically, yeah. the entire time. Well, I was on my, on, on my desk, and I just um, focused on a corner. Uh, and it's just, yeah. I, what, what, it was a beautiful corner that was... Not everyone would, not everyone would photograph a corner if they're listening to Lauren Hill. Do you know what I mean? Like, is it, this is just how your mind works, so... Yeah. I mean, Lauren Hill was playing right here, and then I just looked at the corner. And it's great, because I, I have a video on Instagram that's similar to that, where um, I was listening to Switch. Um, I don't know if you guys know Switch. No, they're like all, all um, this like giant black family like from the 70s and they, they would make um, music together. They're great. And uh, I was like just listening to Switch and I was just like, they took a video of the, the wall and I was in LA at the time. I was like asking someone, I was like asking the internet, does anyone know of like a really cool, cool church with a good choir I could check out for like research? And then no one responded, but they liked it. Which is always the most annoying thing when you're asking oh, for help. <laughs> what I'm thinking about is like when I asked you guys like the divisions between like a non-artist and artist. Like I think that you guys, looking at your Instagrams, you, you guys obviously approach it differently than like the average. Like if I, if I was like if the average person was taking a picture of their sister, probably wouldn't look like this. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> so as I was asking like what's like, what are you thinking about when you're photographing something or putting something like is. How much intention is behind it? Or this is just natural, this is just how, what your mind goes to. Yeah, I mean, I, I Beautiful mean, picture. <laughs> I mean, I've been trained to make photos, so. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's not a snapshot. I mean, I, obviously it was just my phone and, you know, you have basic ideas of composition that mm -hmm. I think are 
in my mind, aesthetically pleasing. So mm. you have like, so yeah, there's intent, but it's not like, I mean, it's just an Instagram photo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just way too into your Instagram. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I think this is a good time to open questions up to the audience. Yeah, of course. Galleries, curators, Yes. Um, the first person that comes to my mind is Kimberly Drew. She runs Black Contemporary Art. Um, she's also the social media manager of the Met Museum. Before that, she was, where was she? She was a hyperallergic. Hyperallergic Studio Museum. Studio Museum. Lehman, Lehman Maupin. And uh, essentially everything. She's absolutely her amazing. Resume on the top. Yeah, and um, her, her Instagram feed is her going to, going to artists like, taking photos of these people and works of art, whether in galleries, studio visits, or major institutions, and then from there, uh, you know, bringing the studio practice to an online format. And then um, I guess Jerry Saltz does that kind of sometimes when he feels like it. Have you ever shown your work in an online gallery? No. <laughs> I have, yeah. I mean, it was a... Um a residency and it was just like a month of photos just like as a slideshow um i'm thinking also of our early art school days where uh we were starting to use internet as a as an exhibition space and because there was no actual space for us to share our work and it was just like it was a tumblr and an actual website uh and it was maybe like a hundred photographs just like looping um so, yeah. What do you think about Sasha? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, it's obviously very market-driven, right? I mean, it's... Uh, so, I don't have a profile there, and I don't want to have one. Um, Wait, so, what is this? Sorry. Sachi Gallery. Sachi Gallery. It's like a... An online... Yeah, it's an online archive. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't like to brand my own work like that. Um, for sure, but, uh, and, and that's not what I, where I want to exist right now. And certainly there are a lot of people that want to be there for their own, um, yeah, goals in terms of success uh, and market. So good for them, but no. I mean, I... If you didn't, if you didn't hear, he said, do likes matter? Like clicks. No. For me personally, no. Also, I don't have a lot of followers. Maybe that's why. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm just salty. Um, <laughs> conceptually, in theory, no. But in reality, yes, unfortunately. Because, um, yeah, because that generates an audience. If that's your goal, it generates an audience. You can go to a wire. Uh, market, uh, people can pick it up on the radar if, if it becomes trending or has enough likes. So, in a sense, yes. In a sense, no. It really depends on like your intention as an artist, I suppose. Yeah. Have likes helped either of you? <laughs> do you think? Do you think that how your social media presence has helped you as artist? Yes. How so? Um, because. Uh, you can get what I like to call the artist bump. You know, the artist bump. So 
I've noticed like very specific times where I've gotten artist bumps where it would be like uh, I would Juliana Huxable would post a photo of me and her on her Instagram. And then people would be like, oh my god, and like start following me. Not an artist bump, I get You it. know, and then uh, one time I was going to do a studio visit with Kay Hardy, and then like she tagged me, and then like, I got an artist bump from that. And then uh, one time, then like a few times, Jerry Saltz like, liked some of my photos, and then like people found me through there as well. So I guess it does do something. Yeah, Not I mean, monetarily, but. <laughs> it's happened to me similarly, but. Um, Besides this panel, obviously. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, once um, a curator just like um, was about to meet me and then he brought a friend and he's like, oh, look, we just did this video. And, I, and he said, and I'm sure that Camilo has done this video. And eventually he went into my feed and he was like, oh, yeah, you did this hula hoop thing and we just did that. And so that was kind of like a, an interesting moment with a really huge curator that all of a sudden was just like sharing, like going through my history of a video that I had posted like a, a f few months ago. And it was just an interesting kind of social moment. So you've both been artist bombed. Yep. Thank you very much for the nice conversation. Uh, what I'm concerned with is the amount of time people spend looking at a particular image once it comes on their screen. We all look at images so quickly today that I, I would just imagine we look at hundreds Um, I think with time-based media, people are bound to spend more time with it. It's, you know, things like Vine. So the way how Vine's algorithm works is that they base it on loops. So a, a, something can have six million loops, but it's only six seconds. You know, so it's like how much time are people like really spending on it? But I think in general, whether the physical or the digital, people tend to spend more time on time-based media than anything else. Yeah, I've been guilty of that. <laughs> I, I just was uh, thinking of, of uh, how the videos on Instagram loop and how they yeah. force you to Yeah, just so now it's, that's to, new too. Yeah. That's like kind of recent, like maybe a year. So before Instagram videos didn't loop and now they loop. So people now load GIFs and stuff like that. So with MTV for their VMAs, you know, they, they did Miley Cyrus and the whole part of like it being repetitive and GIF-like in terms of a video was a huge part of their marketing program as well, just to get, you know, more people looking. As artists, would you like to be able to choose whether your videos loop on Instagram? I play with the loop. Like, I, yeah. I, I love, and that's why my, my st that stuff that I do, it's like very short so that I can like repeat and become like a comedy of itself. I'm a fan of the loop. I like the loop. Like looping. Other questions? Thank you. I was just curious about the format. Does it really matter to you if you were looking for the phone or on a screen like this, this kind of old fashioned kind of screen? Like, uh, you're working a little more of the aesthetic, right, with your photographs, your images, or does it really matter to you how you want to spend with it or how it's displayed? 
No, I mean, I, I mean, right now we're not even looking at at Instagram properly. Like, I, it's really on the phone. So yeah. So I mean, can interpret it as you will. Uh, in terms of the computer screen versus the phone, I do look at my videos on a computer screen and like on a phone because I'm interested how vertical handsets work in general. So there's a huge spike in verticality being the whole thing. So people use their phones to watch the news and like read and experience multimedia now. So when I do videos, I'm, I like it on the phone because there's a lot more black space. So it, fo it forces you to focus on the center more. Whereas uh, if it's being projected or it's on a computer screen, like your eye can wander a bit more. So it's interesting to see how both avenues work. Well, thank you. Thank you for everyone for coming.